A pastor writes about his family dog, Happy. He said he is just such a big baby. For such a big dog, she is afraid of some of the silliest and smallest things. Recently, my wife and I were at the store and our two-year-old, two-year-old son, Sebastian, saw a toy that he just had to have. It's a plastic ball that has little raised farm animals on it. And they can be pushed down. Some of them make noise and some of them sing songs. And if you place the ball on the floor, it has something inside of it that causes it to roll on its own. It's a lot of fun for a toddler and apparently very threatening for a St. Bernard. (laughs) Sebastian was playing with his ball and he was throwing it and kicking it and chasing it. Meanwhile, every time the ball would roll near happy the St. Bernard, her eyes would really get big and she would flop her big body away from where the ball was. Apparently, there was something inside of this ball which is very dangerous to a St. Bernard, which the rest of us are completely unaware of. Or at least that's what the dog thinks. That's its perception. How many of you have little animals that have perceptions of things that you wonder where did they get that perception from? We have a little dog at home and it perceives that hockey sticks are dangerous. And if the ball gets thrown and if I have a hockey stick and it's near the leaning up against the wall and it lodges itself underneath of the hockey stick, it will not go near the ball. As much as it wants the ball, it will not go near the ball because the hockey stick is dangerous. Vacuum cleaners are fine until they are turned on and then they become a hazard and they too are dangerous. And uh, cell phones. Our dog has perceived that cell phones are a danger and a menace and need to be dealt with. (laughs) But in this uh, true perceptions of things, how we have perceptions. We're looking today at faithful to what? What are we faithful to? What are we faithful to? Most believers think and would say, God and His Word, wouldn't you? How many of you would say, yes, I'm faithful. I'm faithful to God. I'm faithful to His Word. And most of us think that, but how can we really tell? Because if perceptions can be off for a dog about a dangerous plastic ball or plastic phone, how much are we barking at the wrong thing? How much are we looking at something and saying, well, I'm faithful there. This is going good here. This is, this is right. But we're not. It's not. Perception is a whole lot. But we do have to make sure that we perceive things. We do things right. So what are we faithful to? We have three things in here that most people will find themselves faithful to one. The first one is faithful to self. And a number of things will characterize this and a whole lot more than what we put in here. Faithful to self. First off, I, I want a good reputation. How many of you want to have a good reputation amongst folks? And we have a, there, there's a, something that comes into us that we become faithful to self. I want that good reputation. I want people to think good of me. We looked at this story already, but Ananias and Sapphira were this way. They wanted people to think highly of them. They wanted people to think good of them. They were in Acts chapter 5. And so they were willing to do something and lie to the Holy Spirit in order to have people think good of them. We might say, I want to be recognized. That's just being faithful to self. I want people to, to recognize me or to have a dynamic ministry or have a, something that I do that is just outstanding for God. False teachers in Second Peter chapter 2. Turn over to there. How do false teachers rise up? Do people suddenly become born a false teacher? 
Do they aspire to being a false teacher? Not usually, right? Second Peter chapter 2. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who, brought, who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Well, where do these, un- these false teachers come from? They certainly had to start off right. False teachers generally start off right, but then you'll see that a lot of people quest for something dynamic, something that is different. What is it that's going to set me apart? How can I be distinguished from amongst all the others? And so suddenly you have, to, you have to find people that go out there and no longer can we just teach the Word of God, but we've got to teach something different, something special, something unique, something that no one else has revelation on. And to begin to teach that so the people will come over and to, and to hear that and to, to follow after that. That's where heresies come from. That's where false doctrine comes from. And people begin to follow after that because it sounded good and they're passionate about it and this is unique. And they begin to follow after that and they begin to lose that word foundation they have become susceptible to attacks and eventually begin to fall and they never even realize it. Most false teachers don't even realize the things that they're teaching is false. They, They open themselves to things. They allowed deception to come in. We've got to make sure that we stand against those kind of things. That if I have a desire to become something unique, something dynamic, something that no one else has and no one else will, will be able to get into. I'm fertile ground for heresies and for deception. So you make sure that you stay with the Word. I think we have a hard enough time just learning this book, don't we? We haven't got this one down yet. Why are we out there messing with all this other stuff? Filling with all these other things. Let's get this one down. If we get this one down, probably everything else in our life is fine. Don't be, don't be out there following after them. So God didn't spare these ancient folks. God's not going to spare them either. Judgment is coming. But many will follow after their destructive ways in verse 2 because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Many will follow their destructive ways. Why? Because they perceived that it's truth, right? If they perceived it was false, would they follow after it? You see, your perceptions have to be brought in line. If your perceptions are wrong, does that make the end okay? Common thought in government anymore is as long as we intended to do good, it doesn't really matter what happened. 
As long as I intended to do something right, it doesn't really matter what I believed. No, it does matter. Stick with the Word of God. Do what the Word of God says to do. Don't go out there. We've told you before, some of the best governing principles I have in my life is, if it is not taught over and over in the Word, and people do not demonstrate it, it is not something I need to govern my life by. The principles that you govern your life by the most are the principles that are taught the most and demonstrated the most. Those are the ones that are most important. Walking in love, how often is that taught? How often is that demonstrated? That should be at the top of the list. Believing in faith, how much is that taught? How much is that demonstrated? Something ought to dominate our, our life, isn't it? Prayer, how much is that taught? How much is it demonstrated? Something that will dominate our life, huh? Take the things that, that dominate the Word and let it dominate you. But you are responsible. Even if your perceptions were off, you need to get them right. Because who's out there trying to get you to get your perceptions right again? Holy Spirit! He's out there working on you, trying to pull you on back. You've got to listen. So, some ways we're faithful to self is I want a good reputation. I want to be recognized. In uh, Acts chapter 8, head over to there in verse 17. We're picking this up in the middle of the story, but most of you are familiar with the story anyway. We'll brush you up on it. Acts chapter 8, verse 17. The disciples had found that the Word of God had gone out, but they had not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so, they come. Saul comes into town, Paul, eventually Paul, but Saul comes into town and he uh, asked them over in chapter... 8, verse 17. Well, actually before that, asked them if they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they said, we hadn't heard that. In verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So something happened pretty spectacular, huh? But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. We have to be careful of thoughts of our heart, folks. Something has to be forgiven, according to Paul here. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness. Did you see anything in Simon that indicated to you that he was bitter? Does he say anything? Does he lash out? Does he say anything at all? But speaking by the inspiration of God, he says, I perceive that you are poisoned by bitterness. You can be poisoned by bitterness and it come out in other ways. But he is poisoned by bitterness. How many of you have, you won't, you know, don't use your outside hands, inside hands. How many of you can tell sometimes you feel bitter? Bitterness rises up on the inside of you. It's called here a poison. It will poison you. You need to get rid of it. Now, how does poison work? Slowly, usually. I mean, it just kind of comes in and begins to affect certain things of you. You may not even realize it's a fix right off the bat. But it begins to stop this from functioning and shut this thing down and affect this thing over here. And eventually you get to a place where you can't reverse it and you die. Some poisons work faster. Some poisons work slower. You know, that's the fastest one I know of is that snake out there in Florida. Another good reason not to live out there. 
I believe it's the Carl Snake. What is he? You got uh, one minute? 20 seconds to a minute. You have after you're bitten by that course if you're believing God, don't matter how many time, how much time. You got all the time you want. But that'll test your faith on it. But poison, it will come in and it will begin to affect you. And you won't even recognize that it's bitterness that does it. You've got to stand on guard against bitterness. We can get bitter against other people. I can get bitter against God. I can get bitter against circumstances. How many of you have had circumstances that have hit you and you don't think you deserve them? And the thought comes in, you don't deserve this. This shouldn't be happening to you. What is it doing? Plowing the field for bitterness. It's going to let bitterness come in and you're going to become bitter at God or at the people who did it to you or at the people who didn't stop it. Bitterness can work its way in. And it's called here a poison. You could preach a month of Sundays on that. But bitterness is, is in something we need to realize is out there. Don't let it get a part of you. Poison with bitterness. And you have that happen. False doctrine can set in. False perceptions. All sorts of problems will come in. But I want power. Because I want power, I'm faithful to self. I want people to see me as someone powerful. Simon here is willing to pay money for it. I want prosperity. We looked at this already before. Judas in John chapter 12. He says, why wasn't this ointment sold and the money given to the poor? Because then he'd have access to it and he could dip into it. Not because he cared for the poor. He was faithful not to a cause. He was not faithful to the Word of God. He was not faithful to uh, the poor. He was faithful to himself. But it come, didn't come out that way, did it? came out that, hey, he's, I'm concerned about the poor here. I want prosperity. Pharisees, I want revenge. How many of you ever wanted revenge on someone? Someone did you harm. Someone did something you didn't like. And you want revenge. Oh, I want to get that person back. They shouldn't have done this to me. That wasn't right. That wasn't fair. That wasn't good. And it comes up on the inside of you. Bitterness begins to come up and the thought of revenge going out there and getting them or just standing by and watching something bad happen to them. That always feels good too, doesn't it? And he looked up and saw in Luke, in Luke chapter 21. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And I copied the wrong verse over on that one. But anyway, this is, uh, there was actually a number of them here where, uh, where the Pharisees had looked upon Jesus and Jesus had taught, well, one time he taught the parable, a parable to him, and he said they realized they were talking about him, the parable of the vineyard. He said they realized they were talking about him and they sought from that point on to kill him. Other times they said they plotted together to kill him. He said we can't do it during the feast. They were coming up with a way to how to take care of that. Why were they plotting a way to kill Jesus? Because he exposed them for who they were. And they wanted revenge on him. Well, faithful people, folks, do no harm. If you are truly a faithful person, a faithful person does no harm. In Proverbs 11, verses 1 through 3, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Now look at verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the what? Unfaithful will destroy them. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. How many times have people told you something in secret and it has left your mouth to go to someone else? Integrity of the upright will guide them. How many times can you think someone has put a trust in you 
and you blurted it out to someone. Why did you blurt it out to someone? Because maybe that person would think better of you. Because you are divulging a secret and maybe that will raise you in the esteem of, of someone on the outside. And maybe people will think better of you and less of them or whatever it might be. But it's a selfish ambition. It's faithfulness to self. Don't do it. If someone says something to you, I need to just speak to you on this. Just let them speak to you. If you agree to it. First off, if you don't think you can do it, don't agree to it. Well, I'm not real good at keeping secrets. Let them know about that up front. <laughs> I may not be the best one on this. How about we not do this? How about you tell someone else? Maybe not everybody should have secrets and maybe it's not something that should be kept secret. But that's not your decision. If you agree and someone says, I need to tell you something in confidence and that person says, okay, hold your word to it. Do no harm. Most times we are divulging secrets. Most times. Not all times. But most times we divulge secrets. It's because we wish harm somehow. Not always. Sometimes people are, oh, I really got to find some help for that person. And then maybe they come on in and say, well, I can say who, what is going on, but not who it was. And maybe I can find out how to talk to them. I'm not talking about that. But most times you divulge secrets. Harm is intended. Faithful people do no harm. Faithful people do not wish to harm others. They don't wish to harm themselves, of course, but they certainly do not wish to harm others. They wish to help others. They wish to move others along and to promote them all the ways that they can. So make sure that you do that. Well, those are some ways that we can be faithful to self. Let's take a look at another one. Faithful to perceptions. Faithful to perception. I've picked up something. I have a perception of something. And sometimes we have become faithful to that perception. The perception might be right. The perception might be wrong. If the perception is wrong, it is going to cause us harm. Not everything you pick up in your spirit, we've been going over this on Wednesdays, but not everything you pick up in your spirit is right or should be divulged. You've got to get out there and you've got to check it out. You've got to feel it out. A whole lot of people are led by perceptions, are led by things they had in their spirit and they were wrong. Good case, we've already looked at this one. But when Israel is out in the wilderness and they come to the promised land and they send the spies out and the spies come back, ten give a bad report to give a good report what do they perceive about the promised land they don't know it they didn't see it right so it is a perception they perceive from what they've heard and their perceptions are we can't do it we can't go in since God led us all the way out here and we can't go in the perception of God is he brought us out here to kill us and they hide behind the excuse of their wife and children. We've talked about it before in this, in this section of the, of the series. As far as thresholds, there is something that can occur in your life that causes you to no longer be faithful, no longer be obedient, no longer go the way that you're supposed to go, and you start on a new way. You start, you begin disobedience. You begin unfaithfulness. Something happens. With all of us, we have different weaknesses. We have kryptonites in our life. Right? You have weaknesses that come in and as soon as that weakness comes in, it turns Superman into nothing. And you have weaknesses in your life. I have weaknesses in my life. We have things that can come along for some of us. It's, it's some of these things we talked about with the, the, the uh, faithful to self. Some of those are weaknesses. I want those things in my life. For some of us, it's our kids. Like with Israel. With Israel, it was their kids... 
We're, we're, fear, we're fearful for our children. We're fearful for our wives. And they got in that way. You cannot do this. People hide behind their kids. They hide behind their wives all the time. Well, I feel that I have to do this for them. How many of you heard that one from people? Well, I've got some friends. They hide behind friends. Perceptions are important. Look at this scripture. Numbers chapter 16. I tried to find some scriptures we could skip over. I couldn't find any. (laughs) We've got to go through the whole thing. Verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dothan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, and sons of Reuben, took men. Isn't that fun? They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Is this? Did they get this from the Word of God? Did they get this from the Spirit of God? Where did they get it from? False perception. False per- is the Holy Spirit going around saying, Moses is doing too much? Moses is taking on too many things? Moses thinks he's holier than all the rest of you, and I see all the rest of you as holy. You need to go up there and tell him. He's not listening to me, so you go on up there and tell him. Is that what's going on? But it is their perception, isn't it? Look at what they have swallowed. You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now, it's not just Moses who's coming. That's why it's plural. Aaron is involved here too, because Aaron's the high priest. And they get to do some things that the rest of them don't get to do. They get to go into the Holy of Holies and work out some things and do some stuff. And Well, that's just not fair. We're holy too. We're children of God as well. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Why? Because he knows this is bad. This is trouble. (laughs) And he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is His and who is holy and will cause Him to come near to Him. That one whom He chooses, He will cease to come near to Him. I'm sorry, he will cause to come near to Excuse me. Do this. Take censers. Core at all your company. Put fires in them. And put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Now, they both have a perception of each other, right? That they both have taken on too much. How many can be right? That at most one. Both can't be right, but both could be wrong. They both could be wrong. One could be right, but both can't be right. It's going to be one way or the other. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to Himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them? Is it a small thing? What he's saying is, you are of the tribe of Levi. Levi, You have a call. You have a ministry to the children of Israel. You have a ministry in the house of God. And you have looked upon what God has separated you to do as a small thing because it's not this. 
Now, I know that you have never looked at the thing that you do as something small while something outside of yourself is bigger and you need to have that. Hello. Haven't we fallen into that problem before? We put this in your outline. I should be up to that part by now. It's got a nice little star next to it. What's the star mean? Principle. Put it in your principle book. To envy what others have is to despise what we have been given. To envy what others have is to despise what we have been given. If you fall into envy for what ministry someone else has, for what gifts and talents someone else has, for what someone else is able to step out and do, if you fall into envy about how other people look at someone else and they don't look at you that way, if you fall into envy about how God has poured out revelation knowledge of this one and hasn't given it to you, if you feel envious about how someone else prophesies and you don't, someone else gives words of knowledge and you don't, someone else speaks in tongues and interprets and you don't, Someone else lays hands on the sick and they recover and you haven't yet. If you have envy that comes up on the inside of you, I should be doing that. I'm not doing... Why am I not doing that? And you become envious for this, you will despise what you have been given. And that is no small thing to God. What does God say? Be faithful with what you have. Do it as if it is everything. When we're talking about the football Sunday... You can treat what you have been given as everything, something, or nothing. whole lot of people treat it as nothing. Some other people treat it as something. But how many people treat it as this is everything? This is everything. We were down there at Raymond this year. They uh, pulled out one usher in particular. And I believe that since they moved into the new building, this one usher had been there the whole time. From 1992, and maybe even before that, until 2009, he had shown up every week to be an usher. (laughs) That's a long time, isn't it? Does that person treat that ministry of being an usher as nothing, something, or everything? That's what God wants. Treat it as everything. So these guys here, are they treating what they have as something, nothing, or everything? Well, probably somewhere between nothing and something. Verse 10. And that He has brought you near to Himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you. And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against Him? And Moses sent to call Dothan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we will not come up. So apparently they were courageous enough to get in the movement, but not courageous enough to come out there and stand. Here's their reason. It is a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness and that you should keep acting like a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men who will who will not come up? Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. Usually Moses is interceding for a minute. Don't kill them. What's he saying here? Man, whatever you want. It's fine. Go get them. 
I'm not standing away on this one. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord. You and they as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it. And each of you bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door, the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Is God going after Korah and his band? Who's he going after? All of them. I want them all. You separate yourself from the whole group, the whole congregation. I'm going to wipe them out right now. Hmm. Then they fell on their faces and said, Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the congregation saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dothan, and Abiram. Then Moses rode and went to Dothan and Abiram to the elders who followed, the Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dothan, and Abiram. And Dothan and Abiram came and stood out the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. So either they don't know what's going on or they don't think anything's going to happen. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works that I have done, that I have done them not of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them. Didn't even wait. As soon as he got finished, God's just saying, hurry up, Moses. Hurry up. Come on. I want to get this done. And as soon as he gets done speaking, opens up. Wouldn't you like to see that today? How many like some of these evil people that are around the world here today? Just see the ground open up. Take care of them. Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. So they and those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Now I'm sure if they went down alive into the pit, as it says, that they didn't stay alive much longer once they got there. That is a long fall. My grandfather used to always tell us when we were growing up. He says, you know, it's, it's not the fall that kills you. It's a sudden stop at the end. <laughs> Told us that over and over again. And I think it is true. It is that sudden stop that you have that causes all the issues. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. Did they have faith in God? No. Because God didn't say he was going to take them all. He said, get away from them. I'm going to swallow them up. So again, they're in unbelief. 
And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense because they were away from the tents. So we got them too. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy. And scatter the fire some distance away. The censers of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar because they presented them before the Lord. Therefore, they are holy. And they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So Eleazar, the priest, took the bronze censers which those who were burned up had presented and they were hammered out as coverings for the altar. Now, there are some people that have mentioned uh, the bronze censers. Some have thought that not all that censers weren't supposed to be bronze, but apparently how it works in Israel, and it's really tough to find details on this because it's uh, uh, as detailed as it is on a lot of things, it's not real detailed on this. But it seems that there's two sets of censers. There are bronze ones which are used for the everyday, and there are gold ones which are used for the uh, feast, uh, the feast of atonement. And they would bring them out then, but other, otherwise they would use the bronze ones. So it wasn't that these guys were wrong for using the wrong kind of censers. But those censers weren't going to be used anymore. They banged them out and they made plates and coverings and so forth. They were to be a memorial, verse 40, to the children of Israel that no outsider who was not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord that he might not become like Korah and his companions just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. See, the Lord's into remembrance. A little book you have, they're supposed to write all these things down to help you remember. God is into remembrances. And so what he had them do was bang all these things out. You got 250 censers. We banged them all out flat. We made these parts to go onto the, the altar out in front. Well, the, you can tell that it didn't belong there because they just kind of pasted it on. It almost looks like scales as it covers the whole thing. 250 of them. So people who come on in hadn't heard about this story. They come in and say, why is this done? Like, why are all these things on there? Oh, well, that's because of the sons of Korah. And they would begin to tell that story and every time they came on then they remember the rebellion of Korah and they remember the things that went on and this would always tell them, don't do it. Because God is in the remembrances. This is good. On the next day, how good are remembrances? All the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. Dear Lord, how powerful is Moses? We used to have some fun with this. They used to be, we used to tease the news media the way they used to get on President Bush and all because President Bush had power to control hurricanes. He had power to control weather and all sorts of other stuff. And you think, man, how powerful do you think this guy is? <laughs> he does not control these things. He is not that powerful. I saw, I liked, the, I liked a lot of things. You all know I liked some of the things he did, not some others. Uh, but I had a better opinion of him than the media did. And I didn't think he was that powerful. I happen to know God controls all that sort of stuff or... You know, there's some natural elements, things are going on in the world that can control those things. But mm. but here it is. Israel comes up there and they see this. The whole earth opened up. How many of you are going to blame a man for opening up the earth and then bringing fire down from heaven to consume 250 people who have brought this all to this, this offense? And Moses even said it ahead of time that God was going to do it. Oh my. The things that we do, right? Now, Moses bails them out the day before. Now they're in trouble again. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. This is the second day in a row God has said this. How many of you want to be an Israelite? <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous species right now. Do not, do not want to be an Israelite. 
Get away from this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Now, I don't know where Joshua is and I don't know where Caleb is. We know of their character. It doesn't seem like they would have been in with this group. They are not. They do not seem to be over there with Moses. But I, I don't know where they are. I can't imagine they've fallen into this group and complaining. But maybe they did and they learned a lesson. Who knows? Get to heaven, we have to find that out because it's not written in the Word of God. If someone wants to come to you and say, I have revelation on what happened, laugh at them. Stick with what the Word says. We don't know where they were. We just know where they end up. So Moses said there, verse 46, Moses said there, and take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Now, Picture this. You've got to get an idea of what's going on here. The whole congregation has risen up. They want to kill Moses and Aaron. And God now wants to kill them. So Moses and Aaron get an intercession for them and Moses turns to Aaron. You take the censer and go out amongst the people who want to kill us while I stay here with God. Isn't that what he's saying? <laughs> now that's not really what Moses is doing but how many of you if you're Aaron you could hear this this way so you want to stay here where God is and you want me to go out where they are the people who want to kill us okay <laughs> uh, oh yeah let's do this one mm. but Aaron does good to his credit then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. How long do you think transpired between the time God said, I'm going to consume them all and the time that Moses turns to Aaron and says, get on out there? Two minutes? Five minutes? Ten minutes? How long does it take to get a sensor ready? Put fire in it and get on out there. So you understand, it's not a whole lot of time here. And he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700. 14,700. You want to talk about a plague. This is a quick-acting plague. This was nasty. In just that short amount of time, people died. That fast. If Aaron doesn't get out there, what happens? How many more die? The slower of a runner Aaron is, the more people die. The longer he would have taken to obey what Moses said, the more people die. And we're not talking about 10 or 20, hundreds. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle meeting for the plague had stopped. After this, we get into the budding rods. Remember what happened with that? God said, all right, since we keep having trouble with this thing about whom I've selected, this is what we're going to do. Y'all take rods and we're going to put them over here. We're going to put them in the tabernacle. And we're going to see which one blooms. There's, these are rods. These are dead sticks. There is no life to them. There is no roots to them. There is nothing. They're just a stick. We're going to put them in there. And the one that blooms. How many of you ever bought a rod? If you, you know, back when buying walking sticks, stuff like that, had it bloom on you. Doesn't happen too often. But it happened here. So we're going to put them all in there. Whichever one blooms, he's going to be the guy I pick. And so... Aaron's, of course, is the one that did. We all knew what would happen on that one. And so we took Aaron's rod and we put it into the ark and we made sure that it stayed there so it would be preserved. So at any time anybody says, how come it's Aaron's house? We're going back and we show them the rod. 
This is what is going on. So, and that thing just stayed blooming. That's just amazing. First off, that it did bloom and that it just stayed that way because they kept it around as a memorial. Some people are faithful to perceptions. We have got to be careful about our perceptions because I can perce- perceive that my boss doesn't like me. How many have ever perceived that? Does not it affect your way you behave at, at work? Sometimes we can perceive that a friend is turned against us. How many have ever perceived that a friend is turned against you? Right or wrong? Has it caused you problems? Oh, yeah. How many of you have perceived something about your children that was incorrect, but you responded as if it was so? How many times have your children perceived something about you, right or wrong, and responded accordingly? Isn't that a problem? How many of you have ever been pulled over by a police officer and he perceived that you were rebellious or obnoxious or being rude to him? How's that go for you? Not so good. Generally, when you when that police officer comes and knocks on the window, you be courteous, you be kind, you be good. No reason to get them upset. After the destruction, the children of Israel decided to follow their example of the ones who were just destroyed. We put one of the references uh, from Numbers 17 that I gave you the synopsis of. That after this comes the buddy and the rod that God would rid himself of the complaints of the children of Israel. It's not quite a direct quote. I had to adjust it a little bit because God gave it as a, in the first person. And uh, it wouldn't sound right if I put it in there. But God said, I will rid myself of all these complaints. Does it work? Some people are just bent on complaining. Bent on reacting to perceptions. Make sure that when you perceive something, even if it's in your spirit, check it out. Don't just respond. Don't just react to it. Check it out. You could save yourself some problems. Save yourself some some issues. Don't just perceive things. Well, I think that if I don't do this, mm, well, I think that God wants me to do this now. Why? Because you perceive that? Check it out. There were too many people, folks, have been led astray by Satan. They've been put in a place, they've been put in a job that was secure, and Satan got them to feel insecure about their future there or about the future of the company and got them to leave to take one that seemed secure but would not be. How many know people have that kind of testimony? Sometimes people have gone out there and they've bought something, they've done something, going after something, and they perceive that it was okay, but God say, no, 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 no. Satan will continually try to get you off the beaten path. You have just got to check it out. Now, in our lives, every one of us has made incorrect decisions based on wrong perceptions. So don't sit there and say, well, I guess I did it. Everybody must look down on me. We've all done it, haven't we? Haven't we all perceived things and thought things and then all of a sudden find out that wasn't so? That wasn't right. I wasn't in danger of losing my job. This person didn't have bitterness against me. They weren't angry with me. There was nothing going on there. But I reacted as such and caused some problems. What before was perceived now is a reality. Make sure that you don't. You can be faithful to a perception. But if that perception is incorrect, it's not going to help you out. Where we want to be, folks, is faithful to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. Let's take a look at Paul's boasting here for a little bit. Paul gets out there and, and boasts about some things that he was because other people were out there boasting about themselves. 
2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly, in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with false, with, with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. But you put up with it, with it. If one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Then he gets into it. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. In deaths, often. How many of you can say that you've been faithful to God in death often? How many of you would like to be able to say that you've been faithful to God in death often? How many of you would like to say, I was never? <laughs> For the Jews, or from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times, 40 stripes minus one. Now that was with a cat of nine tails. How many know what a cat of nine tails is? You know, the nine strips of leather, they put bone and glass and sharp objects into it and they get back there with the the Romans love blood. So the Roman guys out there doing the thing and they'd take on your bare back and they'd whack this thing across and you get these nine stripes that would come out, leather straps that would come across your back and then just grab hold of the flesh and when they pull it back it just rips it. Because those things are sharp enough they'd embed themselves in when they pull back it was made to, to rip. And if you, you know, these guys were good at it, they could get in there and they'd know just how to fling it so that it would grab some skin and yank it off. And if you think one of them was bad, it was done 39 times. This is the same thing they did to Jesus. Now, the Romans do not have a rule that you can only flog someone 39 times. The Jews do. So the Jews are the ones that are counting this thing. When Jesus had this done, how many, do you, how many times do you think the Jews lost count? Because the very people who watched over it were the very people who wanted him dead. But 35 times he received 39 lashes. How many of you are done being faithful after the first time? How about halfway through the first time? That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm not preaching anymore. I'm not going out there anymore. I'm not sharing any more revelations. 39 lashes I got for this God. I didn't sign up for 39 lashes. But then he did it second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. How much abuse have you gotten in churches? How, come on, you've, you've gone over it yourself. How many times have you gone over how much you've been abused in churches? How many people have done this to you? How many people have said this about you? How many people have gone this way? You've been abused. How many of, you, how many of them whipped you 39 times? Hmm, that didn't happen to you, huh? Let's go on. Three times I was beaten with rods. How many of you have been beaten with rod in church? Write your assignment next week. Get out there and get us a rod. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't, you don't get that in church, do you? But he was three times beaten with the rod. Whew. How many of you, that sounds good. This doesn't sound good. I don't, I don't think that, I, which one's worse, the rod or the cat of nine tails? They're both bad. 
This isn't good. How many of you are done after the first time of being beaten with a rod? That's it. I'm not preaching anymore. I mean, not done with God. Not turn your back on God. Just done being faithful in ministry. Just done preaching. Just done sharing the revelations. Writing the Word of God. Writing the letters. Doing all this. How many of you are done? Over. Well, once I was stoned. How many of you? That would do it for you. Survived all the other ones. One time he was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Come on, you have a car breakdown the side of the road. You get mad at God for not letting you know that was going to happen. Three times shipwrecked. A night and a day. I have been in the deep. A night and a day. How many of you are floating around that water say, God, here I am. I've been faithful to your word. Faithful to your call. Out there preaching. Here I am floating around the deep. How come you don't have anybody out here getting me yet? How come I'm still messed with this? Come on. God send somebody. In journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. Perils of robbers. Perils of robbers. That means he's going on down to preach the gospel and some people jump him, beat him up to take the money that he's got. What was that money being used for? Isn't God supposed to protect him from that? Perils with his own countrymen? Who are they? The Jews? In perils of Gentiles? In perils in the city? In perils in the wilderness? In perils in the sea? In perils among false brethren? Can't, did he leave anything out? It seems like everywhere he goes, there is perils. There is trouble. And big trouble. Big problems. But does he stop? Does he stop being faithful to the call? Does he stop being faithful to what God has called him to do? What God has chosen to do? Where God has placed him? When God says, go here, does he go there despite the perils, despite the robbers, despite the shipwrecks, despite the beatings? We saw, we saw the story when he was stoned. After he was stoned, does he say, well, I'm not going back in their ministry? He goes back in the city. After he gets beaten with rods one time, he's thrown into prison. And what's he do? He comes out and ministers to all the people. They just got saved before he leaves the city. He's not being swayed. These things don't sway him. Is Paul a faithful person in God's eyes? Then this is what we need to mimic. This is what we need to go after. But what happens? I get a perception. I get a... Well, I don't think this is right. I don't think this ought to go... I don't think this person likes me. I get a perception. What What do I want to do? Alter my course. Change direction. Well, see if I be an usher anymore. <laughs> see if I play for that worship team. Mm-mm. Not me. You think I'm praying for that church? Uh-uh. Think I'm laying hands on the sick anymore? No. Last time I laid hands on the sick, they got mad at me. Called me names. See if I do that again. I don't need to lay hands on people. We let little piddly stuff like this bother us. How many times... I mean. We all know we've gone through some emotional stuff. We've had some problems in the past. Things have gone on in your life, other people's lives. And it's caused you some emotional stress. Has it not? Have you not gone through emotional stress being a Christian and being amongst believers? Absolutely. Does emotional stress hold a candle to what Paul has just described? It doesn't, does it? I tell, I've, I've held myself to that so many times because so many times emotional stress comes on you. And things come on. People are doing. People are saying stuff like that. Emotional stress comes and it hits you. And I have to keep bringing myself back. I haven't been beaten. I haven't been stoned. I haven't been shipwrecked. I haven't been left for dead. 
I'm doing okay. I shouldn't let this stop me. How in the world can I get up before Paul? And Paul says, I was shipwrecked. I was stoned. I was beaten. I was left for dead. And I kept on going all the way up until the end. I did what God said to do. How did you do? Well, somebody hurt my feelings and I stopped. (laughs) You want to say that? I don't want to say that. You got to be careful. Perception. Are we faithful to perception? Are we faithful to God? Remember what we said before? What you do, you do for God. But what you do, you do to others. You do it to others, but you do it for God. Don't let people get in your way. Do what God has said to do. Don't have to stand out there before Paul and say, Sorry, Paul. I stopped. Don't stop. Keep on going. Most people... Most people are faithful to their wants and needs. Most people are faithful to their wants and needs, but they've disguised it. They call it other stuff and it's just like the children of Israel. Our children and our kids. Stuff like that. They hide behind us, but they're faithful to their wants and their needs. They are not faithful to causes or others. God wants you faithful to His cause. He wants you to be faithful to His cause and faithful to others. Even to the point that it hurts you. That's what God wants. Paul got hurt. But he didn't quit. When we learn to make God's causes and needs our main focus, our main focus, not secondary, we will see our faithfulness in God's view rise. The problem that most Christians have is that God's needs, God's desires, God's cause is a priority in their life. But it is secondary to something else. It is secondary to them feeling important. It is secondary to people giving them what they feel that they deserve from them. It is secondary to what they want in this area or how they want to be perceived over here or how people have treated them. It is secondary to a lot of things. But God says, you need to be faithful to His cause and not to yourself. Number one. When you are faithful to His cause above all other things and you don't let anything else come in and and take you. Because remember, remember he talked about Tiki Barber? Tiki Barber, if you're going to tackle him early on, what are you going to do? Knock it, tackle the ball. Get that ball because that's his weakness. Now he worked on it and he got it so it wasn't a weakness anymore and, and people had to try and do other, other things. But that was a weakness. Satan knows where your weakness is and if he, he will tack you on your weakness, give you a wrong perception to get you to steer off of doing what God told you to do. What God says you need to do. How God is preparing you for what is to come. Whatever it might be, He will do that. He will continually come after you and come after you and give you the perception that what you are doing is spiritual, what you're doing is right, what you're doing is of God. But it is not. If your perception is not right, even being faithful to it will not help. Were the sons of, was Korah faithful to his cause? To his perception? Got him killed, didn't it? Were the children of Israel the next day faithful to their cause and their perception? Got 14,700 killed, didn't it? Were they faithful when they saw the promised land and they heard the report? Were they not faithful 
to what they perceived and got them all killed, didn't it? If you are not faithful to what God says, not what you think God says, it can cost you. How many, how many non-Christians do you know out there who say, well, I don't think God will send me to hell. I haven't done anything wrong or really bad. How many of you have heard that? Are they faithful to that perception? That perception will get them killed, won't it? Well, I think that you can worship God in whatever way that you want, as long as you worship God. Have you heard that one? Will that perception, their faithfulness to that perception, will that get them anywhere? It'll get them killed, won't it? He who comes to me must, must believe. It doesn't matter what your perception is. If it isn't right, it's wrong. Just like that dog may perceive that there's something evil inside of that ball. But you know there's not. And so you sit there and you laugh at that dog. Silly dog left barking at a ball, being afraid of the ball. Come on. Grow up. You're a big dog. It's a little ball. Little toddler's okay with it. What's up with you? We've got to make sure that He's our main focus. As long as you go through this life without God and His causes and His sayings, your main focus, you will always be like chaff in the wind. Blown over here and blown over there and blown over here. Take the stand on what God has said. Do what God has said to do. Keep it up. Be fit. God has said, I want you to study the Word right now. I need you to read the Word right now. I need you to spend more time praising and worshiping right now. You be faithful to that what He's told you to do. Listen to what He says to do in your spirit. And discern. It's real important that you get into these things we're getting into on Wednesday. If you're not able to make it here, we do pull, put them up on the web for you. You don't get the after-class stuff. But you do get the, uh, the, the sermon part of the, the teaching part of it there. Get hold of it. Develop your spirit. It is so important that you develop your spirit and that you operate on right perceptions. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. That you desire that we perceive correctly. And that we're obedient to that perception. Obedient to your word. Obedient to things that you have said to do. For obedience to what is false will gain us the benefits of that false belief. But obedience to what is true will bring to us the rewards of that. So Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. Thank you for helping us to discern between wrong perceptions. The devil has led us astray sometimes by the same means in the same ways over and over and over. And if that's the case with us, we need to make that stand and say, I will not be led astray anymore. He will not affect me through my family. He will not affect me through my friends. He will not affect me through my job. He will not affect me through finances. He will not affect me through health. He will not affect me whatever way it has been before. I will make a stand and I will do what God has said to do. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for the help that you give us to be faithful people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.